Accent with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Black on black, Johnny Cash. Love it. 855-340-ZONE. Welcome back, Utah. Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Eric Jensen producing today. I'm Austin Horton here with Jeff Miller. You heard uh, Coach Quinn Snyder's comment about Johnny Cash lately, uh, recently, didn't you, Jeff? Yeah, what was it? So it was just kind of a throwaway thing. And when this question was asked to him, I kind of rolled my eyes and went, why are we worrying about that? But now I find myself, this is the third time I'm actually sharing this little tidbit. So maybe it was a good question. So in the bubble, you saw that uh, NBA coaches didn't have to, quote unquote, suit up. They could just wear track pants and a polo or whatever. And totally. the, the NBA carried that forward into this. It's one this of my season. favorite things in the new NBA season. It's so nice. It, it's it's never made sense to me that they had to I be like wearing. The coaches wear the same thing. Yeah, and and that's I think they look like a more of a team. That's what Quinn Snyder and his staff are doing, and that's what they did in the bubble. But he got tired. He said of having to organize what they wear when what color to match with what color pants. So he said, all year this year, we're going Johnny Cash black on black. Black shirt, black pants. So everyone will look the same. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, Coach Snyder's always been big on that type of thing. You see them uh, with the the high fives and the daps before each game to stay connected physically and mentally. And people Mm -hmm. might think, oh, that doesn't make a difference. But I think it does, honestly. In a, in I like a team the fun setting. stuff they do in warmups, and like it, it makes a huge difference. Like yeah. Anybody's ever been on a basketball team, that kind of stuff. It, it's just the camaraderie stuff. It's just that we're part of a team and we're friends. Uh, the the few weeks I spent uh, being a door to door salesman, which was terrible. But <laughs> the the one thing that I liked about that job was every morning before we went out to to start our our day is we gathered together and had a little, like, cheer or pep talk where we all, you know, got connected as a team, and then we went out individually. And I think that stuff makes a difference. Uh, It makes a huge difference. And I wonder if that sort of thing is being lost in business today with the socially distanced or if it's increasing. Do you you feel, and you mentioned you only have a handful of employees who work from home right now, but what is your guess? Do you think that... Office camaraderie is uh, losing footing or gaining footing with this uh, socially distanced work from home setting. I think a lot of companies it's losing footing. I mean, I think that's one thing. The teamwork, it, I think it's a lot harder to be a team over a computer. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I think so as well. Uh, I, I a little peek behind the curtain, and I hope that uh, I'm not outstepping my bounds to say this, but Gordon Monson has been doing the big show from home since March. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll be at home in his home office. We send him home with a, a machine. He connects to me in the studio. I then connect him to Jake here in the, the studio or to Jake on remote. And uh, that's the way that the show's been going. And it has not been without its troubles, both from a technical standpoint and a synergy standpoint now we've still put on a terrific program and a great show and the ratings uh, hold that out and we have our listeners to thank for that mostly uh, for staying with us 
but it's not the same as when you're in the room looking at each other. You and I on this show have experienced. Sorry, I wish I, mean, I wish I was in the studio with you right now. Right. It makes for a better show and a better camaraderie without question. And so I, I wonder if that's uh, that will be, I think, a deciding factor. Uh, we had Tanner, I think it was, that called in and said there's a lot of businesses saying they probably will never go back to having a brick-and-mortar office space. I, I wonder if that will change as camaraderie continues to drop. Because I think that I think you can get through a bad situation for a time. I think at some point, though, you got to return to some level of normalcy. Now, it's not a blanket thing. It's not true for every business and every walk. But I think that most... Uh, the majority will eventually return to in-person work. That's my feeling anyway. If I were a business owner, I'd kind of want that to be the case. And it's not. I mean, I think, I think it, I think it's taught a lot of business owners about how they can be flexible though. Sure. Like, I mean, for like, if we have people who need to take medical leave or they need, they're going to have a baby or something like that, it gives us a lot more flexibility and ability to put people in flexible programs that we wouldn't have even thought of before. Sure. Yeah. Great point. But yeah. I mean, I think we'd still rather have people in in house for sure. 855-340-ZONE. If you'd like to be part of the show, 855-340-ZONE. Uh, you know, this is just a, a curious, selfish, curious uh, curiosity. When's the last time you checked in with our friend, Tom Barberi, Jeff? That's, been a while. I think yeah. Facebook messaged me a few months ago. Did he? Okay. We had, we had, we went back and forth, just wish each other well, but been a while. We need to do that. Yeah, we should see if he uh, could come on the show at some point and, and talk with us. I, I mentioned it because I tagged Utah Car Sense in a, in a tweet today, and I noticed that it uh, says Tom Barberi and Jeff Miller, and I think that we should keep it that way so that people think it's a better show than what I <laughs> present. <laughs> but I was just wondering if you'd uh, talked with, with uh, Tom lately, so... Uh, we'll check in with Tom and see if we can't get him on the show at some point. All right. If 2020 was a car, what would it be? If 2021 was a car, what's it going to be? 855-340-ZONE. We had Roberta call in who talked about her car being stolen, Jeff. There's a bigger problem, though, in the in the world of car thievery. And it's not the cars that are being stolen. It's a part of the car. The number of vehicles on the road with a rolled back odometer, in, or excuse me, I'm reading the wrong story. Uh, if uh, Thieves are coveting catalytic converters. Yeah, that's definitely a big issue. And they're going around and just lopping these babies off and taking them in and, and selling them because uh, they have huge price tags, even at just the, the metal scrap yards. It's the big ones that they want. It's the trucks. So like the truck lots, they have to worry and they have security at night because people will go and bring a power tool, get under a car and chop off 10 brand new catalytic converters and throw them in the back of their truck and take off. In minutes and, and they're gone. Uh, yeah. yeah, police departments have been reporting a general swell of catalytic converter thefts, which require but a few minutes and a pipe cutter that typically hit repair shops and businesses with ungaraged fleets. The numbers aren't as dramatic as those for some other crimes, but they're worth noting in a year when a lot of vehicles are spending more time parked. So uh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe a little PSA: keep your eye on your ungaraged uh, trucks and cars that have easy, easily accessed and big, big size catalytic converters. Yeah, we haven't been hit. I know a few dealers that have for sure. In our market here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. So it's been things gone on for a long time, but. It's an easy thing to steal, and you can get good money for them. I mean, they, they, they can go for multiple thousands of dollars. We're talking a comma uh, mm -hmm. on the, and usually five digits 
uh, on this uh, after on this uh, piece. So make sure you're you're keeping an eye on your vehicle. Install some kind of alarm. I don't know what you got to do, uh, but uh, I'm so grateful I have a garage uh, to keep my car in. But I know there's a lot of people who aren't in that situation. So figure figure a way to protect your car because uh, you can't your car won't work. I don't know if that's breaking news to anybody, but you kind of need the catalytic converter. Uh, to keep it'll work it'll just pollute a lot (laughs) (laughs) it it won't work legally (laughs) it won't legally work you can still drive a car without a catalytic converter it it will uh you'll get arrested pretty quick you'll you'll be coal rolling without trying to coal roll uh, (laughs) exactly in that regard Uh, also odometer fraud has increased in the used car market uh, in this year by even though uh, the the number of vehicles on the road where they uh, have been no, uh, lower, the number of vehicles on the road with a rolled back odometer increased by 13% in 2020, according to Carfax. Uh, so they're, they're warning everyone in the market for a used car to be on the lookout for rolled back odometers, which can, of course, trick consumers into believing a car has less mileage or wear and tear than it actually does. Jeff, how the easiest way, I mean, easiest thing on that is just yes. run an auto check or a Carfax. That's, I was going to, I was going to say, so the, the, the best way to do that is to check those notes, but those, those Carfax, they rely on insurance claims, right? We rely on everybody. We report to Carfax. Okay. So most car dealerships you go to, most repair shops you go to will report to them. Anytime you get a ticket, any, I mean, anytime a car hits the network, anytime you re-register your car. I mean, there's lots of places you can get reported to Carfax. And that'd be a pretty easy homework assignment before you purchase that car. Uh, yeah, sure I would never purchase lineup. a used car without looking at a history report of some kind. According to Carfax, California has more vehicles with rolled back odometers than any other state in the country. Los Angeles alone has almost 200,000 vehicles with this problem. So uh, especially if you're buying a used car from California or the L.A. area, uh, make sure you're doing your homework on that. But, Jeff, that's that's another good reason to buy a used car from a dealer or a store like yourselves rather than private. And you're not saying don't ever buy private, but you know that you have someone to answer for a problem uh, when you buy from a dealer. That, I mean, that's the idea. That's why we always push it. If you buy a car from someone on the street, something goes on with that car, it's on you. Where most dealers are going to step up and stand behind what they sell. Car and Driver, Jeff, had an article about the biggest auto news from 2020. And before we go down their list of, I think it's four or five things long, what do you think was the biggest news item from the car industry this last year? I think it's like everything else. I think it was COVID and dealerships getting shut down in March and April and having to modify how they do business. Digital retailing has come a lot bigger, pickup drop-off services, things like that. Yeah, yeah, and that that's what they said as well. It's the biggest one is the COVID-related problems, the plants getting put on pause, the inventory being a problem even after uh, that because people weren't making the cars. Now, you guys have rebounded nicely with your uh, inventory. I understand you've got cars at the ready in pretty yeah, much anywhere. We're in a great we're in a great spot inventory-wise, I and mean, we've got a lot of cars to sell right now on the ground. So we're probably one of our best positions from uh, having cars to sell that we have in a long time. There's also getting closer to that, having too many cars to sell place. Are you really? Okay. And that's that's always fascinating me, that delicate dance of how many day supply cars on the ground at your stores 
And while you are grateful to have less cars, that means you have great business most of the time. Uh, you want more cars because then you can sell more cars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our goal is to stay under a 60-day supply. Yeah. And what? I think our midtown store is at 70 right now. So uh, get on in there. And with the Promise yeah. Price program, people don't have to worry about haggling and negotiating and all that. That makes nonsense. it really easy. And it's a good time to buy cars because when we get our inventory levels go up, we lower prices go down. They also said uh, there's been a lot of uh, pandemic-forced pushbacks of releases like the uh, the Ford Bronco which uh, got pushed back. But anyway, the, the second biggest news story, according to Car and Driver, was the trendiest thing to do, and that is announce plans for a future electric vehicle lineup and sales goals. Where does Subaru sit on that standpoint? I, I think they, they announced something with a Crosstrek hybrid push, did they not? Yeah, we still have the plug-in hybrid that they're, they're still not making enough. That's the problem. But right now, the big, their big EV news is they're still in development with Toyota on a new electric vehicle that they're going to cross build a Toyota and hopefully come out in 2022. That's the perfect marriage, in my opinion, for, for an electric vehicle. Toyota knows what they're doing, and uh, Subaru and Toyota's relationship going decades on now. Uh, doesn't Toyota own a percentage of yeah, Subaru? Toyota's got a piece of Subaru. Yeah, so, so it, it makes sense to have Toyota build the electric part, Subaru build the other parts, and marry them together. I think that's great. I think that'll work out well. Uh, also, to revive a truck nameplate was a trendy thing to do. They mentioned the Ford Bronco, but also the GMC Hummer, which is now an, an EV. How's that going to sell? How is that selling? Is it, is it even out yet? No, I think you have to. I, I mean, how's the reservations going, I wonder? Uh, I don't know. I mean, who knows on those kind of stuff? I mean, I don't, I don't take any hype on those stuff until they're actually delivering cars. The the Jeep Grand Wagoneer is also getting re, re-released. Uh, the Hummer, I just can't believe they're trying to do that thing again. I really, I don't understand it. I never understood it then. I don't understand it now, but hey. Also, uh, Tesla, with five consecutive quarters of profit, according to yep. Car and Driver, showed it's a force to be reckoned with, one that's not going anywhere anytime soon, if you're just simply looking at the stock market side of things, because it, it rose astronomically this year to Tesla's stock. Oh my gosh! It went through the roof. Half a million cars, though, worldwide. That they uh, they sold. Yep. Wow. Just Tesla. Delivered. Just um, just below half a million. Just Tesla. Just Tesla. Wow. Good for them. Uh, it's uh, it's something I wish I had got in on the ground level because now you can't really buy stock at a reasonable price. Uh, they rallied. Shares of Tesla went up seven hundred and forty-three percent last year. Oh God. And uh, also, uh, trucks and SUVs saved the automakers from what could have been a dismal year, according to Car and Driver. They say that uh, the the sedan is pretty much gone, and 2020 didn't help that the sedan's cause. Although I tell you, Jeff, I really, really, really like the 2020 Legacy. Uh, I, I wish I love that, that 2020 Legacy. That. XT Touring Legacy is such a cool car. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. So there you go. Those, according to Car and Driver, those were the biggest car news items in 2020. It was it was a strange ride, and it still is going to be strange. It's just because the calendar flips doesn't mean everything's fixed. Uh, but to look back on a 365-day cycle, it was a wild ride for sure in the car world, uh, and we're grateful to uh, have a hopefully better, brighter time in 2021 speaking of we're looking for the cars that you think will best describe 2021 
the cards that best describe 2020, your New Year's resolutions. Jeff, have you made any resolutions you want to share publicly with us? Are you a resolution guy? No, I haven't. Guy? I haven't thought that through. We're yeah. busy trying to get through the year. <laughs> You've had your hands full. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never really been a resolution guy, but I, I don't know what it was. Maybe just how up and down and all around the, the year was. I did write down a few goals for uh, the upcoming year. I want to. Because if you don't write them down, they're just a wish. That's all it is. Just, a wish. You're just throwing that penny into a well. Uh, I wonder how this is a random thought. You write them down and like put them in a drawer somewhere. Would you put them? I I simply just wrote them down uh, on a Google Doc, so I didn't write them down. I guess I swiped awesome. I swipe texted them. Jeff, you got me. Sounds like Jeff may have lost us for a minute there. You, you still there, Jeff? Yep, here I am. Okay, I was saying I didn't. I I put them in a Google Doc uh, for myself, so that I can look at them. And there's weekly, monthly, and year long goals in there. And uh, like s- simple stuff, like uh, I want to buy my wife more random gifts throughout the year and not just wait for holidays or, or celebration okay. time. Uh, I want to make sure I uh, am working my heart out a little better because uh, the, the fast food world of radio host, DJ, producer is not great for the heart. <laughs> I want to make sure I keep that That's blood true. pumping a little better. So you know, it's nothing earth, earth shattering, but... Uh, I'd, I'd like to do a little things, some things a little differently in 2021 than I did in 2020. And finally, this before we take our final break, there's a headline in the LA Times that has me really interested. The headline is coughing, sneezing, vomiting. Oh gosh, I hope it's coughing. Visibly ill people aren't being kept off planes. More and more studies being done, more and more reports are pouring in from passengers complaining of other passengers who are clearly exhibiting symptoms of illness or illnesses, it says, and they're still being allowed to fly. Uh, There was, of course, the tragic uh, event in December of a uh, nearly 70-year-old man who collapsed on a plane and three passengers administered CPR to this man before he uh, was pronounced dead. And the coroner's report listed his cause of death as uh, respiratory failure due to COVID-19. And so then those three passengers who administered CPR, of course, they all tested positive with COVID-19. Yeah. Jeff, how do we how do we continue to keep a business open, keep travel happening, while also stemming the tides of the virus? Because whether this guy knew or not he had COVID-19, in my opinion, is not the question. I want to know if he exhibited symptoms and they still let him get on the plane. That's my I question. think that's the idea is I think it's up to the businesses to have policies in place to protect their employees and their customers and then follow through on them. Like we have policies that if you, if you walk in our building, you have to wear a mask and all our employees are fully empowered to walk up to a customer and say, would you please put on a mask and offer them a mask? And if they don't ask them to leave, mm. but it takes the company being committed to those ideas and I mean, we temperature check every employee when they come to the dealership. And if someone's over in temperature, they go home. Yeah. Yep. Right. And we stand behind our employees too. Even if they run out of the government money for staying home with COVID, we pay their salary to stay home if they're sick. Yeah. We uh, we here at the arena every day we have to take this little uh, exam uh, on our on our smartphone to gain entry into the building before we are then temperature checked as well. Uh, we have to read this list of 
the different symptoms and if we've had any of those symptoms and we say no and then the next question is have you been around anyone in close contact with anyone with those symptoms and you say yes or no and then you're allowed or, or not allowed into the building and I wonder if they should be minimally doing that before you can print your boarding pass or whatever you do at the airport. Now, I know when you purchase your ticket, it's very clear and made very evident that you're going to have to wear a mask on the plane and that if you have <laughs> symptoms, you should not be flying. But there's, I, I think feel it like there the could be another check. I mean, I've, I've been on a flight in the last few months, and it, Delta required it. Delta, you filled out a form on your phone before you got your boarding pass certifying that you weren't sick. Okay. And of course, people could lie on that. I, I get that. That's not a question they can, but at least makes them think twice. And it gives, you know, some uh, responsibility and liability. Yeah. But also, since you flew Delta, I've heard a lot of good things about Delta being very uh, conscious about spreading the uh, the seats out and not filling their flights. Was that the case with the, the I would tell you, like, and I've talked to some people who work for Delta, too. I know a good friend of ours, the dealerships, he, in his retirement job from the South Salt Lake Police Department, he works as a baggage handler hmm. for Delta part-time. And he's like, this is the cleanest time you'll ever fly on an airplane. <laughs> this is, yeah, Delta. yeah. Like they literally, I mean, it used to be back in the day that they had like, I don't know, it was like three minutes to clean a plane between flights. Jeez, that's nothing. Now it's 30. And they literally spray down every plane between every flight completely. They're cleaning every seat. They're, they're changing the filters inside the planes, I think, weekly. Like it's the it's one of the, it's probably the safest time to fly in the past decade from a cleanliness of plane standpoint. Right. And they're and they're on it. I mean, you will get on that plane if you take your mask off for two seconds and you don't have food or water in your mouth, they're on you. And that that's a good point. I wonder I wonder if uh, people I would like to see the numbers of people that came down with COVID. And they could directly trace it to, oh, they got it from the headrest on their flight or whatever uh, of a previous passenger. I don't even know if that's possible to track. But I think you're right. I think every business, at least the, the good ones, are being extra careful in how, uh, how much attention and detail they're putting into cleaning things. Yeah, I mean, if you walk right, if you spend a day in our Midtown store right now, you'll see Josh Gallicole, who's our assistant service manager. He'll walk around the service waiting area. I at least see him four or five times a day with a little fog machine sanitizing the waiting area. Wow. At least five, four or five times a day. Josh Gathercole, bad back and all, still sanitizing. Bad those, back and all. Seats. He's still out there doing it. Josh is one of the best people on earth, uh, as you can attest Without to. Well. Love that guy. Uh, all right, uh, we'll take our final break. Coming up on the other side, I've got a piece of news for drivers in Utah that you may not be aware of. You are in charge and responsible for this. If it comes uh, into contact with someone or something, it, it's your fault, and you'll be at li you'll be uh, ch held liable for it. We'll tell you what that is. Also, more of your phone calls at 855-340-ZONE. Be entered to win a oil change from Mark Miller Subaru uh, by sharing a question, comment, or story with us, 855-340-ZONE. More next on Utah Carsons. You're listening to Utah Carsons with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton, presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Jeff, what's your uh, what's your current excitement level at for college football with the the semifinal game last night and one today? Or excuse eh. me, both of them yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think Alabama's going to smoke them. But that's what I was just telling <laughs> Alex. Really good. That's what I was just telling Eric. Uh, but he's he's not sure so sure about Alabama's defense, and he's got a, he's got a point with Justin Fields playing like he did yesterday. Then gives Ohio State a chance, but I just think the whole thing is a disgusting, uh, vomitous, gross uh, fix that Ohio State is going to be in the the college football championship. They should yeah, not have been. They shouldn't have been in their conference championship. Games and it's just a weird year. They, they they fixed it for them to even have a chance to be there because big business is what the college football playoff should be called. Yeah, but would right. you be saying that if you know Utah or USC had had a similar situation where yeah. they were I don't undefeated? Think, I don't think a five and zero USC or six and zero Utah USC should have been in it either. Uh, no, I agree. I think you needed to play ten games minimum to be eligible this year. And look, for whatever reason. Give a, the Big Ten is not going to sacrifice money for integrity. I, well, exactly. Exactly. No, and that's, no. I have a big, a big problem with it. And I, I, I don't care whatever reason you didn't play 10 games is, whether you were being careful or whether you got hit by COVID, I don't, if injury, I don't care. Maybe you got stuck in a snowstorm and missed that 10th game. I but think I it should like have been a requirement. Like, do, you put a, do you asterisk every sports league this year? Mm. Does every championship not count as much? Well, don't tell Lakers fans that, Jeff. I'd be willing to say that for Lakers, but I'm a Dodger fan too, so I can't say it for Dodgers. Well, we can we can say that for the Dodgers. Uh, they... <laughs> no, the Dodgers that was a real championship for sure. Have you not met sports fans, Mister Miller? They can <laughs> pick and choose whatever they want to ask. Risk. <laughs> especially, yes, we do. especially Dodgers fans. <laughs> Congratulations on your. Half championship, Jeff. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> the Laker one definitely doesn't count, though. No, it, 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 plus it's the Lakers, so it doesn't count in general it, to anyone except Los Angeles and ESPN. That's who. That's the only people that care. Uh, all right, that's just a little conversation we're having. Tom Herman fired at Texas today, and, of course, Did the, you see who they're talking about replacing him with? Oh, yeah. They, they, there was a blog. BYU form, player, former BYU player himself. Oh, no, I didn't. I thought you were talking about Urban Meyer. Who are you talking about? Oh, they're talking about Steve Sarkeesian. Yes, Sark. Oh, interesting. Talking about former USC coach, BYU quarterback, Steve Sarkeesian. Fight on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the, they're saying he's the front runner. That's what 24-7 is saying right now, so well, I buy them. Yeah. Interesting. He's on the front of ESPN.com as well. Because three months ago, there was a blogger who was tracking every TV appearance that Urban Meyer made over Zoom. He was tracking it by the hotel room curtains behind him. And <laughs> more than the majority were proven and confirmed later to be in a Austin, Texas hotel. And the only <laughs> reason funny. he would be there would be why? To get the I conversation Urban, going. Urban Meyer needs to take over USC. That's sort of where he needs to go. But then the NFL showed interest in Urban Meyer and suddenly his uh, college football interest plummeted. I sort of buy the fact that he's a little bit happy at Fox and he just kind of likes being a talking head and like the bell of a ball that everybody will come and woo every once in a while. And, you know, Fox is paying him out the wazoo and their show they think is better than college game day. And I, I would honestly agree. I think the Fox show, I think Big Noon now does 
college game day at this point, especially with the turnover, not to get too media nerd on you, with, <laughs> but with Tom Rinaldi leaving and all on game day, I think that, you know, Fox sort of becomes the marquee show now, and I think it has for the past little bit. Maybe. Uh, I, I think a big-time coach like Urban Meyer, eventually that siren calls him back to coaching. Maybe it's one or two more years, though. But uh, it, it hasn't been that long, has it? Uh, since he coached? Yeah. Was this three seasons? Three seasons ago at Ohio State? Uh, if if that two maybe but I think it's two. But we've seen this song and dance from Urban Meyer twice before, where he retires oh, yeah. and then comes back. And once it was because he had bad headaches. Another time it was because it was the right time for his family. But really it was because he was a dirt bag at Ohio State and allowed some really bad things to happen. Uh, and suddenly he's going to be welcomed back with open arms to wherever wants him. And that's again big business wins Trump consciousness and morality just like uh the big the college football playoff committee believes uh dollars trump who actually deserves to be there what's up with coaches <laughs> faking injuries these days you see coach k is <laughs> coach k is mysteriously not coaching duke for like the next three weeks because they're so bad and he just wants to hand them off to the other person because he's got a uh, quote bad back sure sure yeah, coach k you have to be careful these days in throwing shade because it could be something uh but you know you always have that in the back of your mind like i don't know i've got a buddy who has a coworker who's had covid like 12 times this year uh but he really hasn't <laughs> if you know if you get I don't think he really has there's no uh-uh <laughs> anyway my we're way apologies off topic here. to coach k sorry we're way off topic let's get back to cars 855-340-ZONE to be part of the show 855-340-ZONE i teased this before the break yes you have to clear the snow and ice off the top of your car especially in this state uh the law is if that snow and ice comes off your car and causes damage or injury to another person or car you are responsible for said damage so that being said i see a ton of people that don't clear the top of their cars off they they scrape the the window the the windshield most of them don't scrape the back and then they just head down the road with this four foot tall ice sheet that when they hit 65 70 on the freeway slides off and smashes hopefully into the (laughs) ground and not the car behind them jeff but my question becomes, A, do enough people know that this is the law? B, should there be more enforcement to, to educate people better about that? And C, how do you safely clear snow and ice off the top of your car without scratching it? You have a nice snow pusher thing. That's the thing. Like, they make those snow brushes that are specifically designed not to scratch paint. That's your best bet. So the, the, the foam pusher sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about the, the phone pusher. We that's what we use at the dealership, because we, I mean, our guys go out and clear all the cars off after a snowy day. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of a tough thing to hold in your personal car all day long. Well, they they do make snow scrapers, snow brushes with a a uh, foam yeah. edge just to them. Yeah, like or... a specific snow brush built for the built for a car, and they're built to not scratch the top of the car. There you go, and just do it. Just take that and extra don't use, minute. Don't use the scrapey part meant for the windshield <laughs> on your metal. Yeah, please. Please, if there's an that's ice patch. <laughs> the scrapey part, that's for glass. The scrapey part. not for part. metal. These are technical terms, of course. The scrapey part uh, is for scraping parts. 
Uh, and the uh, brushy part is for brushing. Yes. Yeah. Brushy parts for metal, <laughs> scrapey parts for glass. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the other day, uh, my wife and I, we, we went somewhere and it was a snowy day and we had to pick up a big, it was a, it was a big present that we were picking up for Christmas for the, the kiddo and we needed room in the car. And so she cleaned the car out uh, to make room for this big present. And the thing, one of the things she cleaned out of the car was the snow brush. What? How much what? room is that saving? <laughs> then it's snowing where where we were, and I was like, "Oh God, we don't have a snow brush. I'm gonna have to get my whole body involved on the top of this car to make sure we're we're within code and not having ice and snow flying off of the car." But luckily, we and got you never it take the snow brush out of the car. <laughs> the the snow brush and the the sun visor, they both got taken. Like the the shade uh, for the window, the back window for the kid. Uh, she took those out of the car to make more room, but we. Yeah, those are two ones you probably want to do. <laughs> those are ones you you can put those under your chair in the front if you need to for the drive home, but you keep those in the car. Anyway, so you're in charge. You are responsible for that snow and ice on top of your car. Stop driving around with it. It's terrible, and it's going to kill somebody. Uh, Massachusetts is the latest state to announce their plans to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars in the next 14 years by 2035 this coming of course on the heels of california and others announcing such measures jeff 2035 is that too far off in the distance or is that about right i think it's seeming pretty i think it's pretty realistic okay i mean they they've still got to figure out how to get that the batteries to be lighter and less expensive I mean, once they can get a, I mean, they got to get a car out there that has a 250 mile range for a reasonable price. Okay. Yeah. That's the only way it's going to work. Cause I mean, the beauty, I still love the plug-in idea Yeah. just because the beauty of it is it gives you the best of both worlds, right? Yes. If you want to drive, I mean, I can drive my car. If I want to be really safe and careful and take side streets instead of freeways, I can literally never put gas in my car. It's amazing. But that's a that's a gas powered car technically, right? But if I have to get home in fifteen minutes because I'm late for something, I'll get on the freeway and I'll use gas. Sure, right. Uh, and I guess fifteen years, fourteen now. Uh, well, no, it's still fifteen. But I think that's enough time for them to figure these things out. I think so for sure. Uh, my my. I don't think I don't think hydrogen's out of the question either. Okay. I uh, that the fuel cell thing. I don't think that argument's over either. I think Toyota's still investing pretty heavily in it. Which infrastructure would be easier to build? Uh, the, the hydrogen stations or the charging stations? Charging stations. Yeah. That's why but I hydrogen's think... more like a gas car, what people are used to. Right. Exactly. It It's more, it's closer to the science of a combustion. You, yeah. you can fill up a car like it is a gas station where they really haven't figured out how to charge a car in three minutes. Exactly. Yeah, we see like that's these the ideas. problem with the battery thing is the people. If once you run out of battery, even at the hyper stations, it's twenty minutes. Yeah, and we see these ideas popping up of uh, battery switch out stations where you roll in and they've yeah, got. And, and Tesla tried that for a while, and I think they dropped it. They did, and, and that that was the hope for me for electric cars was that that was gonna because you know my electric uh, lawnmower, leaf blower, and snow blower. And vacuum. When the battery dies, I just switch it out for the one that's been sitting on the charger. And so that was oh. my hope uh, for the EV world. But uh, it's probably more uh, leaning towards, because of infrastructure problems, the the fact that they got to make that range longer. To that's only going to work if they can get the batteries down to a size that 
makes that possible. And not as heavy, yeah, exactly, not as heavy battery. Right. Yeah. I mean, those batteries weigh thousands, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of pounds. 855-340-ZONE. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Oh, uh, the caller dropped. We lost the caller. Call us back. Who was that, Taylor? Who's, who was that, that that called in there, Eric? James. James, wide open. We'll get you right on. 855-340-ZONE if you'd like. By the way, while we're on the topic of electric cars, 10 questions to ask before you buy an electric car. The first question, of course, Jeff, is does the car have enough range for my needs? Uh, you don't want to buy a car, an electric car with 200 miles of range uh, that, that you need 300 miles of range from, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to – can you charge – this is – I think this should be the number one question, frankly. Can I charge my electric vehicle at home? Because a lot of people don't realize you can't just necessarily roll into your garage and plug that thing in. You got to. It depends have, the car, right? Yeah, and, right. Uh, some right. of them are allowing it, but the bigger ones, most of them you have to put a charging station. Most yeah. of them require level two chargers. And then, of course, uh, you're, <laughs> you need to maybe install some solar panels. If you're doing this for environmental reasons, if you're going the EV route, you probably don't want to be charging that car off of a coal-powered uh, electrical plant somewhere. That's, <laughs> so part of the, that's one of the bigger issues. Uh, how much does the electric, electricity cost? I don't have an, any idea. Can you ballpark that for us, Jeff? Does it cost you more? It's a lot, it's a lot less expensive. Is it? Okay. Yeah. You're driving that car in electricity versus filling out the gas things it's a lot less expensive. Uh, they say here in Louisiana you'll pay 9.5 cents per kilowatt hour, uh, almost 20 cents per kilowatt hour in California, and that's the most expensive. And the thing about it is most of the time you're spending – it does a lot of places. I mean, Utah's not one of them, but there are a lot of places that charge different rates by the hour of the day. Hmm. And so there's a lot of stations like the, like the Subarus, for example. My plug-in has you have the ability to plug the car in and delay the start time of the charge. So I can plug my car in and say I don't want it to start charging until 1 a.m. And wow. at 1 a.m. or in some parts of the country, like electricity is cheaper in the, at night. Yeah. Okay. Right. You can start charging at one where it's the cheapest power. It's like the uh, the old cell phone plans. You had to wait till 10 p.m. to make your phone calls because minutes were free. Because yeah. the highest peak, the, generally the peak time, at least not during the summer, is going to be in the evenings at most houses. Right. Uh, during the summer, it's in the afternoon because it's when all the ACs kick exactly, on. Exactly, yep. The fourth and fifth question are kind of tied together. Are there public charging stations nearby? And can I take my electric vehicle on road trips? How, how, okay, so if you don't have, if you're an electric vehicle owner and you're wanting to go on a 300 mile road trip, you, you got to have a place to charge it where you're going, first of all. But what if you want to go 600 miles? How do you, I don't even know where to begin to find a charging station right now in, in this state. How do you do that? There's, there are websites that you can find them on and there are plans. So you, you, you figure out the, I mean, you basically have to plan your trip knowing that. If my car goes 250 miles, at 200 miles, I got to stop at this station and charge for a while. Hmm. So, and maybe that's and, out of the way. I mean, there's a charging network across the entire country. It's just a matter of convenience. You can't do it like you do in a gas car. What are the kind of electric vehicle incentives that are still around anymore? Are you up to date on that? That's state by state's a lot of it. I think there's still a there's still a nationwide tax break that it goes by the manufacturer and how many cars they've sold. So like Tesla's passed it, like yeah. where you don't get that incentive on Teslas anymore federally. Okay. They've like sold my, too many. I got my Subaru. I think I got a 
the 3,500 or 4,500 tax credit. Wow. For buying my plug-in hybrid. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty that's Yeah, I'll so I got one that. last year and I'll get another one this year because I bought a new one. So it's it's per uh, per year. You have to purchase one every year to get that. Each car every is per purchase. Yeah, that's what I mean. So when you buy the car new, you get that tax credit. You show proof that you bought the car and I, I want to say it's forty five hundred and three bucks or something like that. Wow. Uh, and not all EVs, like you said, qualify for a credit anymore based on a number of sales. It depends on the car and how many they've sold already. Each Basically, each manufacturer gets a certain number of them. Should I buy a new or used electric car? Uh, Austin Horton's take on that, they're, they're, you should be buying a new electric car, but they're more expensive than a used electric car. What do you say, Jeff? That's the problem. I mean, the same idea. They're more expensive, but you get the tax, you'll get the tax credit on a new one. So you make sure you take that tax credit into account on your total purchase price. The nice thing on used is, I mean, used to be able to buy like used Nissan lease for 10 grand. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Not, if not less. Yeah. The question is how good the battery is and those batteries, they get worse over time. So a battery that may have gotten you 50 miles when it was new might only get you 40 miles. Right. Uh, what about buying or leasing? Which do you think is better for an electric vehicle? I personally, I would lease. Okay. Because you're talking about one, one of the big reasons we talk about as a benefit to leasing is technology changes, right? Yes. Is that that's why you lease a car. Cause if you lease them, an Outback now in three years, the Outback you get in three years is probably going to get two or three miles per gallon better and a better technology and safety features. Yeah. Uh, in the electric world, I think that's compounded. Sure. It's an even bigger thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, the quality of electric cars year to year right now is going to be a lot bigger jump than the quality of cars in general. It's like the Motorola Razor. When it first came out, it was like, oh, I've got to have that phone. And everyone spent $600 to get a Motorola Razor. And like four months later, they had a ton better uh, techniques and features on a non-flippable smartphone. And the Motorola Razor yeah. died. There's so much, there's so much R&D and money right now going into electric vehicles that they're going to improve dramatically over the next five to 10 years. Also, when you're thinking about, let's say it's a $40,000 car loan over five years you're what's that close to seven eight hundred dollars a month uh eight hundred for sure well you can lease that same car for four or five hundred exactly yeah uh the last two questions you need to ask are what do i need to know Interesting, about quick, yeah. real quick yeah, yeah. caveat just so to not confuse people on an electric car just so you know on the lease they will take the money off the price on your tax credit because you're not buying it, so you don't get the tax since credit. Since the it's the manufacturer, the bank that's buying the car, the bank gets the tax credit. Okay, and they'll take that lease. off the price from it for you. Okay, cool. Just so you know, when they do that, it's not weird. <laughs> uh, what do you need to know about electric vehicle maintenance? I don't know. Uh, it's not not my problem. It's the tech's problem, Jeff. Just follow the guys <laughs> at the computer. Whatever the book says, do it. And then finally, how much does it cost to insure electric cars versus uh, the normal car, so to speak? I think it's it's pretty. I mean, I only have a plug-in, so it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty comfortable. This article uh, surprised me. It says on average you'll pay twenty three percent more to insure an electric car than a gas car, but some insurance companies are more forgiving than others, and rates, of course, vary widely depending on the many variables. I guess on a true electric, like a Tesla thing like that, I think probably part of your problem is that there aren't a lot of body shops that are capable of doing it. Yeah. 
that are certified to do it so they can charge more, which leads to higher insurance rates. Well, Jeff, it was a good start to 2021 here in Utah Carson's. I'm glad you're well, and uh, let's do it again next week. You as well. How many callers do we have? We got to pick something. Don't we? I think we had four callers today, uh, or did the fourth caller drop off there? Uh, yeah, the fourth caller. So we have three dropped. to choose from. So yeah. a random number, Eric, between one and three. Uh, two. Jeff? So you got Travis, who's our third caller. So we'll get that info. Travis, Eric has your info. We'll get that out to uh, Andrea at Mark Miller. Give them a couple weeks, and they'll have that oil change for you, for sure. Perfect. Jeff, be well. We'll talk to you later. Be well as well. Thanks, Jeff Miller. For Eric Jens behind the glass, I'm Austin Horton. More next week on Utah Carsons.